Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block Ripping up fantasy stock Working around the clock Look at the view from the top Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods, yeah One in particular, I'm just a messenger Let me just pass on the rock uh. Browning, brunning, bruning Pronouncing ain't what he's doing What he's doing is not losing But infusing you with new things And there's Dennis the Bennett Yeah the man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, coach it in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round table come take a look at the crown baby go what's going on everybody welcome to another episode of the fantasy football roundtable podcast i am your host matthew brewing i'll be joined today by my fellow co-host mr dennis bennett and matthew fox we are proud to be a part of the drive-in podcast network you've got movies music pop culture, and of course, fantasy football, all part of this awesome network. You can find all of it on MusicCityDriveIn.com. We've got a great thing dropping tomorrow. I would say what it is on here, but this podcast will come out before it drops. But if you follow any of us on Twitter, at SportsFanaticMB, at Nighthawk7734, and at Culture underscore Coach, we'll be retweeting and talking about it. Uh, We've got a fun little thing dropping to help out our listeners even more. Can't wait for this. It should be uh, a lot of fun for us and our listeners, so definitely watch for that and check it out. For today's episode, we are finishing up our team previews and knocking out the rest of the AFC North. We will be talking the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals, and uh, that will be it. We were finally done as we are just three weeks away from seeing live football. So enjoy the episode and have a great weekend. We are live on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. We've got Mr. Fox back with us here again on this beautiful Thursday. We are talking the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals and all Ohio show today. How are you gentlemen doing on this uh, beautiful Thursday, just three weeks away from live NFL action? Well, most of us are live anyways, except Boomer the Duck. (laughs) Our condolences. 
I'm doing uh, doing pretty good. It's been a crazy week at work, but almost seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I'm right there with you. This I should have just I was I was off Monday, Tuesday. I was supposed to be up at uh, Dennis's Rocking the the Fantasy Midwest Expo shirt. I was supposed to be up there this year for finally being able to make my way up there and uh yeah obviously with everything going on with the shit show that we can we consider 2020 uh that got canceled so i wasn't able to make it up there so i ended up going into work and i'm seriously regretting that decision i feel like i should have just taken off this is this has been just a horrible week but it is almost over and as i mentioned we are just three weeks away from live nfl action like me and matt and probably tony will be sitting here in three thursdays previewing a Thursday night football game between the Houston Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs. And then Friday, you will see the three of us together previewing the entire NFL slate. I cannot wait, man. I, I need some football in my life so bad. So what's I cannot a, wait for that to happen. What's a Tony? What's a Tony? I don't know. Tony the Tiger, right? Uh, <laughs> hey, we should say our friend Tony got a new house. So he did. That's that why is, he's not with us. That is it's why. Good, good reason. Let's no no no. Let, let's correct that really quick. It's not a house. He has bought a palatial estate. Yeah, all right. He He's quite the estate. Look, Peyton Manning lives in Denver now, so he had to put his place up. There. I know. Tony, yeah. Tony bought Peyton Manning's house, his old house. We're, we're not even joking with you. Like he, it's a beautiful looking house. He has very much congratulations to Tony. Uh, I know that is why he's kind of missed a lot lately. He's had a lot going on. Anybody who's gone through that process knows what it's like. So he he's got a lot going on, but he should be back with us next week as we're doing a some of the AFC NFC stuff. Uh, my goodness, I can't talk conference stuff. So we are, uh, we are very excited for him though. So congratulations again to Tony. Uh, it's, um, I know it's been we, a we really have some place to stay me. next year when we go to the combine. Exactly. We can That's stay exactly. in the pool house. He won't even know we're there. We could just sneak right. in and stay at like the left wing and he won't even notice we're there. So yeah, it's, it's going to be awesome though. I can't, uh, I'm happy for him. I really am. Is this we? It, I don't want to give too much away. We didn't know he was very excited to get that house. So we're, we're very happy for him. But as you guys can see from this flag behind me and this jersey that I decided to throw on today, we're talking about my Cleveland Browns. I cannot wait to kick this season off. I had a little bit more excitement at this time last year talking about my Browns because I thought they were going to be a playoff team. I'm, I'm tempering expectations a little bit more this year, uh, but they do have a very exciting team. Live and learn, to, Matt. Live and learn. You know, I was going to say clearly by me throwing this on, I haven't because I still, you know, live and die with the Browns. And I, um, what was the, the quote I heard today? If you want to be good at fantasy football, you have to divorce yourself from the fan mentality. And I have yet to figure that out in like my decade of playing fantasy football. But for the Cleveland Browns, they finished six and 10 last year. Um, do we, I guess the easiest way to ask this is same old Browns, new coaching staff. Seems like every year they get a new coaching staff, but do you guys believe in this one? There's been a lot of hype about Stefanski and the way that they are doing things now in Cleveland. What are your guys' thoughts on the new coaching staff with the Browns? Barry Stefanski 2020, man. Barry <laughs> Stefanski 2020. Beats the other options. I don't disagree with you on that. Barry, I'm like, put him in the ground? That doesn't sound that optimistic. No, Andrew Andrew Barry. Andrew Barry, uh, the, the, uh, the general manager. Who's done phenomenal, I think. Yeah, so Barry Big Stefanski. Big brain you know. guy in the office. <laughs> I think, you know, if they get off to uh, like a hot two and four start, it might be Barry Stefanski with the B-U-R-Y version. Right. Yeah, but possibly. I, you know, Cleveland's too talented to – we were too talented for where they finished 
last year. I know you don't want to hear this, but uh, you know that was disappointing even to non-fans. I think you know I thought they were going to make make it in there. I almost wonder if they're not in for a you know Kirk Cousins in Minnesota year two kind of post hype sleeper because if you remember when when Cousins went there the first year, everybody's like, oh, they're going to be in the Super Bowl. They were in the NFC Championship game last year, and you know they didn't they rolled out and didn't even make the playoffs. And it didn't go as planned, but you know, after a year being together and figuring some things out with Kevin Stefanski, they made it into the playoffs, and I think that that could easily be the track for Cleveland. Yeah, I I am excited about it. Uh, I'm excited about the season. Obviously, I, I don't want to get too excited. I do like the the hire of Stefanski. You know, Dennis mentioned uh, Andrew Barry there. I think he's done phenomenal things in that front office. They all seem to be pulling the same direction, I think, which is huge because last year you had the front office and and Freddie Kitchens going one way and then all the analytics going another way. Everybody seems to be pulling in the same direction. You know, Baker seems to be a little bit different. Uh, Obviously, some of the news that's come out here lately with the Chubb concussion, Mac Wilson's knee injury isn't a great way to start off the season. But regardless, I'm with you. I have high hopes mostly because they added that extra playoff team this year. So I feel like we really have a shot to make the playoffs. If nothing, our odds are just a teeny tiny bit better. Exactly. All right, so new additions. As I mentioned, Andrew Berry has been busy this offseason. Case Keenum comes in to back up Baker on a two-year contract. Yes, back up Baker. He is not going to be the starter for anybody who keeps floating that nonsense out there. Uh, Austin Hooper comes in on a four-year contract. He is the most expensive tight end, uh, or gets the the highest-paid tight end contract in the business. They bring back Rashard Higgins on a one-year contract, which I thought was a great move. Hunt comes back on a one-year contract. Uh, Jojo Natson, I just threw this in there because he's a really explosive special teams player. He's not going to mean anything for fantasy, but I, I personally am just excited to watch him play, so that's why I threw it in there. Again, not not much for fantasy, but Garrett does get the huge extension, was the highest-paid defensive player for like three days before Joey Bosa got his contract. David Njoku, they exercised his fifth-year option. Harrison Bryant, uh, they drafted in the fourth round, and Donovan Peoples-Jones got drafted in the sixth. They did not lose anybody of real note on the offensive side and expiring contracts at the end of this year, Kareem Hunt, Dontrell Hilliard, and Richard Higgins. Fantasy finishes, Baker finishes QB19 with 250.18 points. Chubb, RB8 with 255.2. Kareem Hunt, RB47 with 101.4, only played in the seven games. Landry, wide receiver 12 with 237.4 points. Odell, wide receiver 25 with 201.3 points. And then Austin Hooper, tight end 6 with 191.7. All of that with the Falcons in 13 games. A new offensive system. This is Baker's third year in the NFL and it is his third offensive system kind of been jerking this guy around a little bit I think I know me and Dennis have talked about it before we've been on here a little bit longer than Matt's been with us and we've always talked about with with rookie quarterbacks and just quarterbacks in general keep switching offensive scenarios and coaches every year is not a good thing for you so what do you guys think about Baker is this his prove it year I mean he again Third year in the league with a third third new offensive coordinator. If he doesn't have a good year, do you guys think the Browns might move on from him? Well, I think he'll be there in his fourth year, definitely. Um, the Stefanski offense is going to take some pressure off him. They're going to run the ball a little more. Uh, un- unless they have offensive line issues, when you've got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, you have the ability to take the pressure off the quarterback. 
And the way it's set up with two excellent wide receivers, good tight ends, and two great running backs, there's no need for Baker to press. They've got a decent offensive line. Uh, and so I think that he'll have a good season, uh, even if he's if his stats maybe are just a touch under what we might want, because I do expect the rushing attempts to go up significantly. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, we've seen Baker put up some incredible fantasy stats and the team not win, and we've seen him put up some marginal stats and the team not win. I think the measure of success for him is getting into the playoffs. If you look at what Cousins did in Stefanski's system last year, he was probably better in terms of what you saw in the NFL than necessarily for fantasy. He was a middle-tier QB, too. Um, I think that should be a starting point for Baker. I think he could end up being higher than that. Um, but, you know, I think for he would probably tell you the same thing. The metric for him being successful, they want to capitalize on their hype and make it into the playoffs. And if they get into the playoffs and he's QB 20, I don't think any Browns fans are going to be complaining. I might be. But that's just because I own him on way too many teams, so that'll hurt my fantasy chances. But, yeah, I'm with you guys. I don't think it's a, a prove-it year. I kind of put that question in there is I do a Browns podcast, obviously, as well for the Back Row uh, Network, and it seems like a lot of people are talking about the the signing of Case Keenum, which it was a little bit weird. They, they brought him in and paid him an absurd amount of money for a backup quarterback, but the Browns had the cap money to spend, whatever. He comes in with knowledge of that offense, which I think is going to help out Baker as well. I don't think Baker goes anywhere. I think at worst, like Dennis mentioned, he's for sure going to be there year four. I would be surprised if they don't pick up his fifth-year option, and that I think will be the prove-it year if he continues on that downward trend. But I think, as Matt mentioned, we saw way too much that rookie year for me to think he's going to be bad. I just They needed to take pressure off of him, and I think this offensive system, like Dennis mentioned, is going to do that. It suits Baker's skill set better than what Freddie tried to do in the second half of that season. Well, I don't think that Browns fans should be worried about Keenum. I think every time they bring up Keenum as the starter, I think they just need to say, well, do you remember Jim Sorgi? <laughs> I mean, when Peyton got hurt and Jim Sorgi was the quarterback of the Colts, it was it was a disaster. And so have, there's nothing – a smart team has a capable backup quarterback. You might not have a quarterback like Peyton Manning as your backup, but you damn well better have somebody, if the quarterback gets hurt, that isn't going to be the reason you don't win. They can be, it's okay for them to not be the reason you do win, but you don't want them to consistently be the reason you don't. Well, and it, if you think about it too, Keenum had arguably his most successful year as a pro there in Minnesota when Stefanski was on the staff, and it was in that very position. He didn't come there with the expectation that we're going to roll him out as a starter. When they lost, I think it was Bradford, who they had traded yeah. for, when they lost Bradford, he was able to come in and have some success. So he's a guy that knows the system that, if nothing else, can be a good mentor uh, for Baker going through and learning the system and gives you some insurance. I think we saw a couple of teams that hope to contend moving to give themselves some insurance because we've seen what happens when you're a contending team that has an unfortunate quarterback injury and can't sustain a certain level of play. 
Yeah, and, and I agree with that on, on both counts. Like uh, What Dennis said and what you just said makes a lot of sense. If Baker were to go down, which, I mean, please, dear God, don't let that happen. But if he were, as Matt mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, the Browns have so much talent that even bringing in a capable backup like Case Keenum should allow – he's going to give the Browns a couple more wins than they would if they threw out there a – you know, Mason Rudolph or Duck Hodges type like the Pittsburgh Steelers did last year. Like Case Keenum is better than them, and they have the talent to possibly push their way into the playoffs with him. He may not take them to the Super Bowl, but he can get them wins to push toward a playoff run. Uh, so Chubb Hunt, Hunt Chubb, Chubb Hunt. I mean, everybody seems to talk about them splitting time like Freddie did last year. I, I did not think that that was handled well, although it seems like everybody kind of thinks Freddie kind of handled things pretty badly last year. What do you guys think will be the split between those two, or how do you expect them to be used in the 2020 season? Well, Stefanski has said that he's looking to use some 21 personnel, not just 12 personnel. So there will be times when they're both on the field. Chubb is going to get get a lot of carries. He's firmly inside uh, my top 12. I think I got him at 10, so maybe I got him at 12. Maybe he's not Maybe he's not as firmly inside there <laughs> as I think he is. Um, but I, I feel like Chubb is on the brink of leading the NFL in rushing this year. Uh, that offensive line should be able to produce for him. They've got a passing game that can open it up. And a, much like having Keenum should Baker get hurt, having a back like – Kareem Hunt as your second running back, you don't have to necessarily switch things up with your offense. So there'll be some, you know, misdirection that'll open up stuff. Chubb is going to get plenty of work. Is it going to be 80 20? Probably not. But I, I think 300 carries is probably in the works for Chubb. Yeah, I think they'll both end up having role we we've i think all thought that kareem hunt will probably be more involved as a pass catcher um and that makes a lot of sense you saw you know for a while there when uh when they had alexander madison last year both he and um cook had games where they were fantasy relevant i don't think we'll see chubb maybe hit some of the uh some of the receiving numbers that that cook had but i think you can see they they very much want to want to run and uh, you know, we saw them both be very effective. I think they're both going to end up being weapons. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys on that. I, I think the the biggest difference for me is, and I get most of us now playing PPR leagues, but I think Chubb is such a good runner. And behind that offensive line, he is going to put up points that, yes, if he was getting the PPR points, if he was getting catches out of the backfield, he'd be even better. But he's still good enough running the ball that he's going to, at least in my opinion, as well as Dennis's. I think, Matt, you've got him in there too. He's going to finish as a top 12 running back in fantasy just based on his pure running ability because when they get down in the in the red zone, I think they're going to give the ball to Chubb more than they do Hunt. Uh, but Hunt is going to get some work. There's no doubt about it. They keep talking him up. And as Dennis mentioned, they'll go into that 21 personnel, have them both out on the field. Could be something where they fake the play to Chubb and then Hunt goes out on a little screen pass and they throw it to him. I had nothing against that, but I do think uh, – I was in an argument with someone on Twitter the other day saying that they have – not only do they have Hunt above Chubb, they think he's going to fin- finish much higher than Chubb in fantasy points this year. I don't see that unless Hunt get, or Chubb, uh, Chubb gets hurt. There's just no way. Chubb is – 
Chubb is not the pass catcher that Hunt is, but he is the better back, in my opinion. And his running ability is so much better than Hunt's. I know Hunt led the league in rushing his rookie season, but Chubb is just different. I think Chubb is going to be a phenomenal back for them. And I do think, as we saw with Minnesota the past couple of years, they're going to lean heavily on the run to set up that play action and that that uh, the kind of play action passes that works well for Baker and his game. Uh, do you guys think it's even close before we move on to the next one of, of Hunt outscoring Chubb for fantasy this season, if they both stay healthy the entire season? I don't. You're muted, Dennis. No. <laughs> Short and sweet. Well, I think he feel it, go. it's yeah. going to be. A, oh, you're good. You froze up on us for a minute. Yeah, you're good. Now, Chubb, you know, Chubb's going to be pushing 300 carries, and and I think Hunt is going to be in the you know 140, 150, but Chubb will probably have 20, 25 pass passes uh, receptions, and Hunt will probably be around 50. 50 or 60. So, uh, no, he's not going to outscore him. Yeah. All right. So, OBJ, by his own admission, the training staff coaches seems to be fully healthy now coming into this season. No no injuries or anything. Obviously, we won't see any preseason games. Uh, they'll just have the practices, which obviously you can still get injured in, but he, he's coming in fully healthy. What is the ceiling for him and your guys' expectation in this offense um, for him in 2020? Take it, Matt. For uh, which player are you dropped? For Odell. Oh, uh, I I think he'll still end up being the better uh, of the two uh, receivers for fantasy finishes. I had him. I was just going to check uh, since we we have our handy. I'm going to pull a Dennis <laughs> and actually, before I say my position, double check. Um, I think he'll be you know right in there, wide receiver two range. I think. Uh, another year with Baker will be uh, will help that relationship. It seemed like at times last year they weren't quite on the same page, and I think that'll be a little bit uh, better this year. But the the real the real question is, you know, they have a lot of pass catching options now in Cleveland, and they also have a couple of great running backs. And you know, in this system, they would really like to to run and build the lead and play some good defense. So even though they might have a better connection and more success when they're throwing it, they may not have to throw it as many times, which is, I think what puts, you know, it's almost an embarrassment of riches, which might put a ceiling on all of the pass catchers. Yeah. I I have Beckham at wide receiver 16. Uh, So for reference, that was DJ Chark's position last season. Uh, I'm trying to grab Chark's numbers here real quick to see what that stat line looked like. So I'll talk here and stall. Oh, I'll, so, I'll give his fantasy points really quick while you do that. He finished with 225.8 uh, fantasy points, average 15.1 points a game. And then you can give his Chark NFL did? stats. Yeah. Yeah. Chark, Chark had 73 receptions for 1,008 yards and eight touchdowns. So to me, that seems like a, he had a hunt. What? 118 targets. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a decent target share. Um, when you reduce the the play differential between the Vikings and the Browns last season was three. So 
there was only three plays difference, but the Vikings ran the ball, I think it was 84 times more than, than the Browns did. So Beckham's numbers are going to be, you know, they have to be impacted by that. Uh, and Baker isn't going to, I don't think he forces the ball uh, yeah. 12 or 15 times to one receiver. He'll, he may force the ball a couple times early to get Beckham involved. But then once he's got his attention, then Baker's going to who's open. Uh, and frequently that's Jarvis Landry. You know, Landry will probably be in the same area with catches. He won't have quite the yardage and, and may not have the, the touchdown numbers Beckham does. I mean, Beckham is the more dynamic player. So uh, I like Beckham to you know be a mid to high wide receiver too next season. Yeah, um, that's why I wish we had preseason games. So uh, he was actually targeted 133 times last year. I'm sorry. I thought uh, he caught 74 balls for 100 and 100, 1,035 yards with the four touchdowns. Odell was, not not Chark. Chark? Oh. No, no, that was Odell's gotcha. stat. Odell was, was targeted 133 times. So okay. I agree that I don't think it goes up that – or actually, I think it could go up more. Um if you go look at what Stefanski was part of the offense with Minnesota before Matt, what's his name? It just jumped out of my head. Kubiak, Gary yeah. Kubiak. Before Kubiak came over there, they were very, they were more pass heavy. They were more about getting their wide receivers involved. I do think that they're bringing over. I think Stefanski's even come out and said, "I'm bringing over the Kubiak offense." He's not maybe that exact wording in the quote, but he referenced how Kubiak runs his offense, and that's how he wants to do it in Cleveland. That being said, I do think that Odell is going to get more chances because the other thing is he is one of the best route runners in the game. I think with the play action, all it takes is for him to make that one move and he's going to get open. And the difference with this year, I think compared to last year, and I know Dennis, I know, watches a lot of the Browns games. I can't remember what game it was. I think it was the Seattle Seahawks game where the Browns were obviously winning early. Seattle starts coming back and then uh, Odell beats his guy on the outside and has easily, I think it was five or six yards separation. And Baker couldn't get the ball to him because of how bad the offensive line was. And that happened a lot last year. And not just Odell. Jarvis, is, as Dennis mentioned as well, was getting open. And with the way that that offensive line is hopefully going to be improved with Wills coming over there on the left side, you've got Conklin now on the right-hand side. I think it allows Baker a little bit more time to allow guys like Odell to get open. So I, I do think he's going to be in for a big year. I had him at nine, so I'm obviously the highest uh, out of all of us on him. I think he's going to return – you know, again, four touchdowns last year. If he even gets a couple more, he shoots up the rankings past guys like Chark and everything who were at 16. They just didn't get him uh, the ball enough, I think, in the red zone either. So I, I'm expecting a big year from Odell, as I just mentioned. What do you guys uh, What do you guys expect from Landry? Uh, Dennis, I know you kind of mentioned it there a little bit. Uh, I'll, I'll just start mine first. Since I'm expecting such a big year for Odell, I'm expecting Landry to take a little bit of a hit. Still think he gets a very decent uh, workload and of volume. I think they will throw the ball to him a lot, but I think his touchdowns come down a little bit, probably his yards. I was trying to remember where I had him ranked, and I accidentally closed out of that window. But I want to say it was right around 22 or 23, if I'm remembering correctly. So um, I'm expecting him to take a little bit of a dip here this I have 24 so I have him as you a, had him at 24 so I have him as yeah, a wide receiver too uh but I, I do think he takes a little bit of a dip because of the way I'm expecting Odell to jump up what are your guys thoughts on Landry for 2020 I, I have him right at that same exact spot at 24 um 
you know, he led the team in receptions last year with, I think, 83 compared to uh, Beckham's 74 uh, and had the edge on him in yards as well. So Landry had one of his better seasons on a yard per reception basis um, with 14.1. I do think that's going to come down a little bit. And his um, receptions will come down a little bit. So he'll be behind uh, Beckham. Not too far. Like I said, I've got him ranked at, uh, what, 16 and 24. So I have them both as wide receiver twos. Yeah. Yeah, I have Landry just a little bit uh, behind that. I had him at 27, so just uh, outside wide receiver two range. Again, I, I'm more – I guess I, I'm more cautious than either of you about uh, thinking – you know, with, with so many targets, because we figured Kareem Hunt's going to get plenty of targets. They now have two tight ends they're trying to work in there. They have a couple other receivers that could get in there. I think uh, we'll see them come down a little bit as the team's more successful. So the tight end room is is actually kind of interesting here. They, they obviously brought over Hooper. I put Hoppers on here, which I thought was kind of funny. They brought over Hooper in the offseason. Uh, David Njoku, who earlier in the year requested a trade, now is all in on Cleveland after you had a chance to sit down and talk with Barry and Stefanski, which I do like. I do like to sit down and talk with them. He's a, he seems to be all in, doesn't want to leave Cleveland now. And they drafted Harrison Bryant, which I know Dennis watched because we constantly bring up uh, the way Anthony McFarland torched uh, the Buckeyes when Maryland played them. While they beat the crap out of FAU, Harrison Bryant had himself a game against the Buckeyes uh, was it last year. Uh, and he's a very good tight end, and they drafted him in the fourth round as well, which I think in a way, honestly, kind of spells bad news more for Njoku than it does Hooper. But what are your guys' thoughts on the floor and ceiling for Hooper? And then your, if you have any thoughts on Njoku or Harrison Bryant for 2020 or beyond? Well, I have had Njoku outscoring Hooper, and I'm sticking to it. You know, They're both, I think, going to be low-end, tight-end twos, uh, in part because they'll cannibalize each other. They'll with running the 12 personnel, uh, Njoku is the better athlete, I, and I think that's going to show up. Uh, Harrison Bryant is somebody I, I think this is a team that's building for the future. Yes, they exercised Njoku's fifth-year option, so they do have him for a couple more years. Uh, Hooper they signed to, I think, what, a four-year contract. So they would seem to be set. I, I'm not going to count on Bryant to have a breakout for at least a couple years. But I do like um, Hooper and, and Njoku to, you know, be in, both of them being probably the 40 to 50 reception range. Uh, I, I think a, after the two wide receivers, Njoku and, uh, damn it, Hooper and Hunt are all going to be kind of clustered together uh, in, in that with their receptions. Yeah, I think this year it's, it's pretty much going to be Hooper and Njoku. Um, but you know, it'll be interesting and Joko obviously in a contract year expressed some displeasure earlier this off season. They seem to have resolved it for this season, but it wouldn't be a, an incredible shock to see him end up moving on at the end of the season. In which case, if they like the idea of having two tight ends, uh, Bryant gives them that kind of security for the future. 
Yeah, I, I'm actually all in on Bryant for the future, regardless of what uh, what Njoku does. I just think he's he's too good of an offensive weapon. Uh, he would, he'd be a guy that I'd be buying in, especially because of the way Stefanski runs his offense in that two tight end system. I do obviously. It seems like we all are kind of leaning toward the Browns being successful this year. If that continues, that means Stefanski's likely going to be here for longer than a year or two, which most Cleveland Browns coaches don't make it past two years. Uh, and if that's the case, I think Bryant's going to going to be a guy that they lean on moving forward. So Bryant's a guy I would buy into dynasty uh, leagues, dynasty startups, because he's a guy you can get really late. Um, you know, I love Njoku. I, I loved when they drafted him. I, I don't know if I see a future with him, with the Browns. I'd love for him to stay because I think he's a physical freak, but I think uh, I know he's, he's here this year. I think uh, Matt said in contract, he'll be here next year because of the fifth year yeah. option. Yeah, they have they have him for two more years, but they, they can get out of it after the 2020 season with yeah. just three million in dead cap. So Which it's I, not an insurmountable task to do. Yeah. And by offer by by exercising that option, it gives him the the it gets in his head that hey, they want me here. I'm gonna be a good soldier, I'm gonna go out there, I'm gonna play hard, I'm gonna quit squawking about wanting to be traded. And who knows, something good comes from it, and he's, they keep him for two years. Yeah. Yeah, I would think if anything, if which just may be crazy to say because we heard all the trade uh, trade rumors obviously around the draft. There was talks about him possibly going to Washington for Trent Williams, which now I'm kind of glad they didn't do that deal because I love the way that they built their offensive line together and getting a guy like Wills uh, to, be a, to be the younger possible, you know, I don't – want to compare him to Joe Thomas, but in hopes of like having a career like that, right? Like become, come and be the left tackle and stabilize that offensive line for at least a decade. Uh, but I could see them if Njoku goes out there and has a good year, which we are both expecting. I believe Matt is as well with the way they're going to use Njoku and Hooper. They could move him next year. He's still like you just mentioned, very cap friendly situation with the fifth year contract that they can move to another team, possibly get something back. And then maybe that team decides to re-sign in Joku. You know, I know I've talked about it on the Browns podcast. I'd love to see him go to a place like Washington because I think he could be an absolute deadly weapon there for Haskins at that tight end room. There's a lot of teams that need a good tight end. Uh, and I've mentioned it before and I'll mention it again. I think Joku looked better last year before he got hurt. He was not dropping the ball as much as he had been the past couple of years. He had admittedly been very, you know, been working on that in training camps on the jug machine. So I'd love to see if the Browns don't decide to keep him, him get traded somewhere possibly at the end of uh, this year, beginning of next off season and give him a chance to show out. Cause I still like Njoku, whether he's with the Browns or not, I think he's a really good kid and a really good player. And then I'm with you guys on Hooper. I'm just not as, not as sold on him as, as others. I wouldn't be surprised if he jumps up in the top 12, because as we, I feel like mentioned on this podcast, every other episode after like the four or five tight ends, the rest of them can finish anywhere. Uh, but I, I don't expect him to have a huge season because I expect them to use him more as a blocker uh, than necessarily a guy who, who goes out and, and catches passes. Yeah. They're, they're tied to Hooper's contract for yeah. a number of years. It's uh, it, you know, I think if they tried to get out of it next year, they're going to have like 14 and a half million in yeah, dead caps. It, yeah. It's not a, a good contract to be trying to get out of. Yeah, I think the fourth year, right before that fourth year, they can get out of it for not a huge like cap hit because I think four it's the same million. As, I think it is. Yeah, him and Conklin because that's what I was. I was like, man, they they did a good job of setting those up based on who they have to pay moving forward. They they 
loaded those contracts for these first couple years to allow the, them to pay guys like Miles Garrett this year. Hopefully Baker and Nick Chubb, possibly Denzel Ward moving forward. I don't know if they can pay all three of them, but just kind of they 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 gave themselves a very a good amount of flexibility there. You know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I really thought this episode was going to go longer than the others. We're only at like 32 minutes right now, and this is like the shortest we've talked about one team. It's a little depressing that it's the Browns. I really thought we'd be like at the 60-minute mark. I'm like, oh, shit, we got to rush the Bengals in really quick. Well, we all we all like like them. So. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of debate. It's probably bad news. I think that's the way we were all last year, too, and we saw how well that worked out. So, But let's let's do our over-unders now. Matt is back with us, so we're not going to mess this up. Over, bad, under, good. We, we, we've yeah, got- I already put it in the chat. <laughs> in all right, so over-under for Baker, QB12 in 2020. Over or under? Uh, I'm going over. I have him at 15. I'm going over as well. I have him at 14. I will go under because I am going to let my fan come out. I think I have him at 12. I'm not sure. So I'm just going to hope you that he goes. Nine. You have oh, him okay. Nine. Even better. So then, yeah. You're I, way under. Hell yeah. Let's go. I'm going four, baby. I think he's going to beat out Lamar Jackson. I, I've got, I'm going the under here for Baker. So it's an ADP of 130. He is the 13th QB off the board. Uh, just before him, Daniel Jones, Tua Tunga Viola, and Aaron Rodgers. Would you take him over any of those three? Uh, I have Rodgers rated ahead of him. Um, I'm not taking, you know, are we talking dynasty? dynasty. Talking? Yeah, dynasty. Um, I'm probably not taking Tua over him either. And who was the other one? Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones and Rodgers. Uh, I've got him back to back. I have Mayfield ahead of him. So there's definitely scenarios where I, I'd go, you know, probably – 70% Baker, 30% Jones, 80% Baker, 20% Jones out of 10 teams. I'd, uh, I'd take him over all three. Um, the closest one for me would probably be Jones, but I think Baker's in a better situation. It's weird to say Cleveland's a better situation <laughs> than anyone, but the, the Giants, there's a lot of questions that still have to be answered there. Yeah, uh, Jones is the closest one for me as well. I mean, uh, Tua is a, going to be a good player, but I think I don't know what Miami's offense is going to be. They need to improve that offensive line some. I think Baker, you know, he was a number one pick for a reason. I, I loved him coming out of Oklahoma. So I, I would – Jones would be close, but I think if I'm being honest with myself, if, if we're going 10 teams, I'm probably taking Baker 10 out of 10. I, I, I would want to diversify, but I don't think I could. So I would take him over all three. Just after him, Matt Ryan – Matthew Stafford and Cam Newton. I would not take any of those over Baker uh, moving forward. What about you guys? Um, I probably wouldn't take any of them over um, either. I think Stafford will be finished better this year, but uh, there's now become some questions about his long-term situation, which, uh, you know, in dynasty should give you a little bit of pause. Yeah. I'm, I'm on the Baker Mayfield train there. All right, so Nick Chubb, RB12, over or under? I had him at 12, so this feels kind of crushing. I think Dennis has him at 12, too. I'm going to go with under because I think he's more likely 11 than 13. Yeah, I'm going to go under as well. 
And I have him way under at eight, so I'm going to take the under. I'm, I'm all in on Nick Chubb this year. ADP of 13.3. He is the eighth RB off the board. Just ahead of him, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, and CEH. Would you take him over any of those three? I'd take him over Edwards Alaire. So it was. Uh, Mixon, I mean, Cook. You know, I know you want to take him over Mixon. So Cook and CEH. Yeah. <laughs> or you will take him over I, Mixon. I'm sorry. I uh, definitely take him. I, I actually think I, I might take him over all three. I We don't know. Like Cook will probably be better this year. Yeah. But. We have no idea where he ends up. Does he end up in this favorable situation? To me, he's still a little bit of an injury risk until we can see him prove it more than just one out of three years so or four years, whatever he's been in. So I, I probably, if pressed, would take him over all of them. Yeah, I, I would as well. Um you know, Mixon, he's in a contract year this year. We don't know it, if he's going to be back with Cincinnati. They have a really bad line to begin with. Uh, Cook, I actually heard on NFL radio today, there were some people talking about they think there's a better chance he's not back with Minnesota next year. They may just roll with Alexander Madison with their cap issues and everything going on. Don't know what Cook's situation looks like. I, I like CEH. He's he's going to be in a better offense when you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. Uh, but I, I think I still take Cook just because I – or not Cook, I'm sorry, Chubb, just because I think his rushing upside is going to be better than CEH's. Just behind him, Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Taylor, and Miles Sanders. Would you take any of those three over Chubb? Uh, I have Sanders ranked ahead of him, so right now I'd, I'd take Sanders. I feel like Sanders is going to be more of a uh, rushing and receiving threat, so he's going to get the volume on both ends. And I get the whole, well, Doug Peterson uses a committee and Versus the, well, Doug Peterson has never had a back like Miles Sanders, I think. But for the most part, 99% of the time, uh, the best players play. Yeah, and when they signed Devonta Freeman on <laughs> September 10th, and he ends up carrying the ball 24 times on September 13th, we'll all be uh, crying into our soup. But uh, I would probably take Sanders over him. Um, it's a question for me for Taylor. I like his long-term prospects, so that's that's probably maybe a coin flip. Yeah, I'm with you. I think – I don't know if I would take Sanders, but him and Taylor would both be coin flips for me. And Taylor – he, he's the exact same version of Chubb, and I hate to say this, but a little bit of a better runner than Chubb is. Taylor's phenomenal. He, he is elite at almost everything except for pass catching. Uh, but I do think he's with a better offensive line. I mean, Indy has the best offensive line in the league, in my opinion, and he doesn't really have – I really do think Marlon Mack is going to get moved or he won't be with the team moving forward after this year. So Taylor has that backfield likely to himself moving forward where we don't know what's going to happen with, with Hunt. If for whatever reason the Browns keep Hunt, that's going to kill Chubb's value moving forward. So Taylor would probably be the one that I might lean going over Chubb just because I, I know for the most part I think I'm going to have Taylor in that backfield by himself moving forward. Kareem Hunt, RB24 in 2020, over or under? Over. I'm over as well. I guess I should look at my ranking since you guys are doing that. I have him just slightly over as well. I have him at 26. 
ADP of 62.67. He is RB23 off the board. Just ahead of him, David Montgomery, Melvin Gordon, and Todd Gurley. I would take him over all three. What would you guys do? Yeah, I think in Dynasty, um, I don't know. Sometimes, man, I fall in love with the year one volume, and, and Montgomery's definitely getting volume this year. Uh, I feel like Gordon's volume is a, is a little bit more uncertain um, because of Philip Lindsay. And who was the third one? Uh, Todd Gurley, Mr. Arthritic um, Knee. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'll take. But you know, Gurley could Gurley could rush for 700 yards this year and have 20 touchdowns. Yeah, but that's just it's, this year, and then he retires. Right. But I love, but you know, I, I love, I know Dynasty is about the future, but man, I love to win this year. I got you. I got you. So now I'm probably taking Hunt over Gurley. Yeah, I'd probably take him over Gurley and Gordon. I mean, honestly, at that point in the draft, I'm probably taking a wide receiver. But yeah, I'm with you. I just, uh, off topic here for just a minute. See, Vic Fangio said that uh, Philip Lindsay is looking so good. There's no reason to name a starter. Philip Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon carry the ball enough to be co-starters. Yeah, and Melvin Gordon's hurt and said that he's having a really hard time. Yeah, breathing. I saw that. He can, he can f right off. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I wasn't expecting that reaction. I was hoping to get a little bit of a rise out of you. <laughs> All right, so right after Hunt, Devin Singletary, James Conner, and Duke Johnson. It was actually guys, but I figured there's no reason in having guys on here anymore, so I went Duke. Wait, none of you guys are taking guys? <laughs> no, I think I'm going to pass. Uh, so would you take any of those three over Hunt? Who is it? Singletary and who else? Uh, Singletary, Conner, and uh, David Johnson. Uh, man, I don't know if I believe in David Johnson. I want to just because I have so many, I roster him in so many places, uh, but probably not. Uh, I got to keep my, my own interest at heart. <laughs> I probably take Singletary. He'd be close for me. I don't know. I'd probably go Singletary just because I more than likely own Chubb, and I'm not sure I want to own Chubb and Hunt. I don't know. I, I might have. I might go Hunt. That that would be the closest one for me, though. Singletary, Odell Beckham Jr. wide receiver twelve in 2020, over or under? Over. I have him under. So I have him over. I have him over as well. I have him at sixteen. ADP of 32.67. He is wide receiver 12 off the board. Just ahead of him, Galladay, Cooper, and A.J. Brown. I would take him easily over Cooper and Brown. Galladay would be a coin flip for me just based on age. What about you guys? I'm going Galladay and then Beckham. And then Beckham and Brown are a coin flip. Uh, but I'm I, I'm taking Beckham over Cooper. You're rubbing off on me, man. <laughs> he didn't rub off on me. I'm not taking him over any of them. Ooh, all right. Uh, just behind him, which I, this is so insane to me, Julio Jones, Allen Robinson, and DK Metcalf. I love Odell. I'm taking Julio over Odell, but that's it. What about you guys? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Julio. Um, you know, even at what is he thirty? He's still got about yeah. three good, three pretty elite years left. 
Um, but that's the only one. Taking Julio and Allen Robinson. All right. Interesting. Jarvis Landry, wide receiver 24 in 2020, over or under? Push. Have him over. If I have to go, uh, there's there's plenty of guys right behind him that could push him down, so I'm going to say over. I am going to go under because I have Hollywood Brown and Amari Cooper right ahead of him, and Amari Cooper sucks, so I should move him up one spot anyway. So that will be changing here in a minute uh, when I have a chance to adjust my rankings. I feel like Amari Cooper Appreciation Society could be the name for uh, for the thing that we're trying to name right now. No, not at all. No, I don't think anybody else – does anybody even like Amari? I don't even, no, I'm never – I was going to be really mean. I'm not going to say that. Amari Cooper is a fantastic human being and a very good wide receiver. I thought you were going to say that could be a good name for an emo band. No, I was going to be very, very mean, and I figured I shouldn't do that because Amari may want to come on the podcast one day and talk, and what I was going to say was – is extremely uncalled for so i will not say it uh just before him michael gallup hollywood brown and debo samuel would you take him over any of those three uh looking at my ranks i'm gonna say yeah yes i would over all of them i would probably take him over brown uh, just because who knows what the passing situation uh, in Baltimore is going to be. But I actually like Gallup, um, so I, I would still take Gallup. And I can't remember if Debo. Debo, I mean, injuries are getting to be somewhat of a concern, but he's very talented and they like him a lot there. I, I still think he has a shot to be the top receiver, wide receiver, not top Yes. Uh, I would take him over Hollywood and Debo for sure. Uh, as Matt mentioned with Hollywood, uh, you don't know the volume, Debo, the injuries, and I, I think Ayuk's going to end up being the one there. And They don't have a very big passing game either, so I take him over both those. Gallup, I still like Gallup. I, I think he's going to be a stud, so I, I take Gallup over him. Just behind him, Devontae Parker, Henry Ruggs, and Christian Kirk. I would not take any of those three over Landry. Would you guys? Uh, uh, no, I mean, it's tempting to go Parker, but I just don't believe in his half a season of dominance. It's because you believe in the goat, Preston Williams. Yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, I would not take any of them over him either. Austin Hooper tied in 15 in 2020. I feel like this is a no brainer for all of us, but over under over. I believe I am too, but I have to be sure. <laughs> I, I have hey, him over. So we have we have it coming out soon. I have him over. So. All right. Uh, he has an ADP of one seventeen. He is tied in twelve off the board. Just ahead of him, Gasecki, Goddard, and Hawkinson. Would you take him over any of those three? That would be a no for me, dog. What about you guys? Uh, I concur. Right behind him, Tyler Higby, Hayden Hurst, and Irv Smith Jr. Higby and Smith Jr., because I am buying all into those camp highlights that I keep seeing at Herb Smith now. So I would take those two over Hooper, but not Hurst. What about you guys? I think it's a coin flip with Hurst for me. I, right now, probably I'd go Hurst over Hooper because I feel like the next three years, Hurst is in the higher volume offense. So all things being equal for them, if they – 
if they're going to play all 16 games, there's not catastrophic injuries all over the line or the skill positions. Um, I think Hurst is going to get the better volume over the next three years. So uh, I'd take them all over him. Uh, I would probably just take Higby. David Njoku, tied in 24 in 2020, over or under? Under. Over. I am going under as well, at least I think. I didn't look at my rankings. But ADP of 196.33, he is tied in 26 off the board. Just ahead of him, O.J. Howard, Jack Doyle, and Jared Cook. Would you take him over any of those three? At the next commercial break, you should add David and Joku to your rankings. Yeah, I have some bad, okay. bad, bad news for you, friend. Well, that's all right. We got to spice it up somehow. All right, go ahead. <laughs> this take on David and Joku is good for about fifteen hours. It is not sponsored by the rankings that will be dropping tomorrow. <laughs> go ahead. What was the question again? I was. Uh, would you take him over? Would you take him over Howard Doyle and Cook? I don't remember who I have ranked now. I got oh Blake Jarwin, get out of here! All right, I figured out who he's going over now. Uh, yeah, I think I, <laughs> I, I would. Uh, it's am I? It depends. I'm if I'm taking Njoku, he's not my first tight end. So depending on who I took as my first, I I can make the case for taking Doyle. Doyle, I think, is going to have a very solid floor, um, but I do like I, you know, I, I do like Njoku's talent, but uh, it's a coin flip with him and Doyle. Everybody else, no. Definitely take him over Howard. Yeah, I would. I would take him over all three. I, I like Doyle, but I think Njoku's upside is a little bit uh, more than Doyle's. Uh, just behind him, Devin Asiasi, Eric Ebron, and Will Disley. I would not take any of them over Njoku, would you? Nope. Ebron. All right, let's move on to the Cincinnati Bengals. As I cursed us and said we had taken, we were not taking long enough. We we went a little long there on the over under. So Cincinnati, they finished two and fourteen. Can Joe Cool turn around the Cincinnati the Cincy Kitties? Can he do it? Do you guys expect him? Let's go. I'm trying to think of a good over under for them. So can expecting they continue on this upward trend uh, that they possibly could do with some of the talent they've added around them. Do you think Joe Burrow can take them to the playoffs and say the next five years? Oh yeah. In five years. I'm not as confident. I mean, I don't even know who their coach is going to be. I, I'm not sold on Zach Taylor. I'm not sold on, but he's touched Sean McVay. You know, even Sean McVay didn't make the playoffs uh, <laughs> this last year. Uh, so just because you've uh, breathed the same COVID era as Sean McVay does not mean that you're making the playoffs. I Joe Burrow had one incredible year yeah. in college. Uh, so did Wayne Haskins. And uh, we saw the nice. adjustment. We saw, and he was incredible that one year in college, and we saw the adjustment to NFL life on a not incredible team. Cincinnati has some really good skill position players, but I, their skill position players were not their biggest problem last year. Uh, and fact, a 37-year-old Joe Burrow couldn't beat out a 12-year-old Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State. Yeah, so, 
you know, also it seemed like the state of the offensive line in Cincinnati was such that a fart might blow through, uh, blow a hole right into their protection scheme. Presumably they'll have a little better health, be a little bit better this year. But, I, I mean, I'd like to see them play a game before I'm committing to him getting into the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with if, if five-year window, I think they can. I believe in Burrow enough. He, he's I, I mentioned it before. He, he's one of the best anticipation throwers I've seen come out of the draft class in a while. He's got a lot of good players. Around. I, think, I think them getting Higgins helps a lot with Tate, Boyd. You know, I'm not that big on green, obviously. You know, what Matt said about the offensive line is not wrong. It's kind of what's killed Mixon here the past couple of years because he is a very good player. You know, if they can improve that offensive line, though, I, I do think that within five years that he could possibly take him to the playoffs. So I would say that he can do it. Their new additions, A.J. Green was franchise tagged. They brought in Joe Burrow in the first round and T. Higgins in the second. Their losses, Andy Dalton goes to the Cowboys. Tyler Eifert goes to the Jaguars. And they cut mine and Dennis's favorite running back, Rodney Anderson. Unfortunately, expiring contracts after this year, they declined John Ross's fifth year option, AJ Green. Uh, and that would be it because I messed this up. Yeah, big time. I didn't even put questions in here. Son of a gun. I was, I did this way too late on this show sheet. All right. So Joe Mixon finishes RB 14 with 225.4 points. Tyler Boyd finishes wide receiver 18 with 222.9 points. Golden Auden Tate, not Golden Tate. Auden Tate finished his wide receiver 68 with 101. Golden Tate is really surprised that he registered for two teams last year. That's how powerful He's he is. That damn good. Uh, he finished uh, with 101.5 points in 13 games, and then CJ Uzoma tight end 40 with 63.2. So since I forgot to put those questions on here for you guys, we're going to go off the cuff. We did a over-under rookie show with Ricky just a couple weekends ago. He has Joe Burrow breaking the record, I think, throwing for a ridiculous amount of yards of touchdowns. Uh, but I do think a fair number for him is right around 23-24. Do you think that he can get over 23-24 uh, touchdowns this year and have a a good year for fantasy, putting him, let's say, in the middle range of the QB2 for fantasy? Yeah, I, I think so. I think he's going to have an up and down season. So I'm not going to be the least bit surprised if he has a three or four touchdown game. And I won't be surprised if he has a couple zero touchdown games either. So he he's a good passer. Um, he's confident and he's got weapons with Green and Tate and Ross and Higgins and Boyd uh, and Mixon and Gio Bernard. So there's plenty of weapons. They just need the offensive line to gel a little bit. They're getting Jonah Williams back from injury, and that's a plus. So 22, 23, 24 touchdowns, I think, is well within the realm of possibility. I'm going to say maybe he gets to 20, trending more under it, and uh, bottom, bottom of QB2 tier. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm still high on him. I think, uh, you know, I think I said on there, I think he gets 23 or 24 touchdowns. I think it happens just with the weapons around him. Uh, like I said, I think he's 
I know some people think this is just uh, you know stupid to say, but I think being the son of a coach and the way he understands football is going to help him with the bad offensive line. I think he's going to be able to check to plays to help himself out. We saw him do that a lot at LSU. Obviously, you're playing better defenses than you did uh, for the most part at the uh, in the SEC. Good defenses, but not quite NFL defenses. Uh, but I still believe in him with the weapons they have around him. So I think Burrow at the end of the day could come in around. I'm, I was gonna. I guess I could pull up my ranks. I think I have him right around 16, 17. I'm at 14, so I, I could honestly see him falling anywhere between that 14 to 16 range this year. I think Burrow could be in for a good year. Uh, Mixon, everybody's kind of buying into Mixon. The, they, the Bengals are getting Price and somebody else back from injury. You know, they, they drafted an offensive lineman they think could be kind of good. What what are we thinking for Mixon? Again, he's on his contract year this year. This is his final year with Cincinnati. So we expecting everybody talked. I think me and Dennis, we were both on him last year too, saying, "Hey, he could be a top, you know, five, six, seven uh, back." Struggles because of that offensive line. Is this a year that he produces and is one of those top backs for fantasy? Yeah, I I, I think he does. He's a very good running back. He catches the ball very well. He's elusive. He's big and powerful. So he's good in the red zone. He's good in the receiving game. He's good running the ball. If they can just get a, a little better offensive line play, and if Burrow is competent in the passing game, uh, you know, Ryan Finley wasn't, wasn't the answer at quarterback last year, and a struggling injured Andy Dalton was not either. So it's just a situation where he's clearly going to – get more opportunity. Um, they like him. They know what they have in him, and I think they're going to give him the ball. Uh, you know, I like him to be a top top 10 running back again this year too. I, I think uh, that that's one place that I think they'll focus and be able to make some improvements. Uh, and, you know, a good running game and a good running back is a rookie quarterback's best friend. So are tight ends as well. I believe that's how the the sayings go. They don't yeah, have a they, good tight end. They don't have a. Yeah. It's a Drew Sample season. Drew <laughs> Sample season. Uh, yeah, I'm with you guys. I've got him at five for me. I, I think uh, good things for Joe Mixon this year. What he can do receiving wise is well. He's just got to stay healthy, and I think Mixon is in for a big year. At the wide receiver Let's position, be honest, nobody deserves it more, right? You know, I mean, that's arguable. I know you say that in jest, but hey, you know. Uh, but anyways, uh, AJ Green seems already have hurt his hamstring. Uh, we know you've got Tyler Boyd, Auden Tate, T. Higgins. What are you guys expecting from this wide receiver core? Who, while Andy Dalton is not a bad quarterback, I think it's fair to say is not in the same class as Joe Burrow. So they have who could be an elite quarterback for fantasy football and NFL standards. Now throwing them the ball. Your guys' thoughts on this wide receiver core? You forgot the goat, John Ross. Go ahead and take it, Matt. Uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting. I have Boyd ranked the highest of that group. Uh, if you know, if we knew AJ Green was going to be healthy and back to AJ Green of old, um, you know, he would vault way up there, but. You know, it's troubling that he's already kind of dealing with some injuries. I was curious. I don't know if you saw the report that they were looking at possibly doing a long-term contract at the end of the season, which I think a lot of us thought they took T. Higgins in part because they were preparing for the future without A.J. Green. So it could be – it's going to be an interesting lot of 
Miles Shafid, I know you like Auden Tate and his potential too. It's going to be a lot of Miles Shafid this year, and if Green doesn't end up moving on, it's going to continue to be kind of a cluster. Well, I have them ranked back-to-back at 28 and 29. Um, Green already tweaking his hammy. It's it's not a severe injury, but at 30, what is he, 31, 32? 31, it, I think. It, yeah, it, I think so. it starts to become a little bit more of an issue. You don't recover quite as quick. Uh, Green being on the field definitely makes AJ, not AJ, Tyler Boyd a better option. And Boyd has shown that he's he's a pretty high-level option. He's he's a good receiver. Um I, I like both of them. I, I hope that Green is healthy because I think that it helps Boyd, it helps uh, Mixon, and it helps Burrow. Yeah, and even if they do keep A.J. Green, uh, I, I think having Green on one side and Higgins on the other is actually a good thing, not just for Burrow, for, for but for that wide receiver core. You can move a guy like Tyler Boyd into the slot. I mean, that all of a sudden makes for a pretty good wide receiver core. So this year, I think if I'm buying into anybody, it's Tyler Boyd, uh, just because I don't know what I'm getting from Green. I don't think Higgins is going to have a huge year this year. Uh, Another guy that I think I might take a shot on is Auden Tate because of how late he's going. And if Green goes down, I think then he's going to come in. and It's going to be, I think, Boyd and then Tate as the two, unless Higgins just clearly, you know, announces his presence on the field. But as we've talked about, I think, the wide receivers, for the most part, might struggle a little bit through this rookie year, for at least most of them, due to them coming in with no preseason games and limited practice time. So Auden Tate's a guy I like to – could be a sneaky add at the end of your drafts, could have some maybe low-end wide receiver two upside if Green gets hurt. If not, he's a guy you could drop pretty early on if, if, uh, if Green seems to be staying healthy. Uh, no real point talking about the tight end room, right? I mean, Matt, I know you mentioned Drew Sample, no. Uzoma. That was a joke. Okay, that, that's because that was my uh, that was my long chat when I was looking at the uh, tight ends from last year's rookie. Gotcha. You know, they they yeah. spent a second round pick yeah. on him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we were all shocked by that. <laughs> Just the Bengals bangling things up, man. They're bungling things up. It's what they do. The Cincinnati Bungles. All right, let's go with the over unders here. Oh God, I just. Drop my phone. Uh, over-unders. Uh, what did I do? What did I do? Joe Burrow, QB 14, over or under? Over. Over. I will go over, even though I have him at 14. I think he's a better chance he drops to 15, 16, then goes up closer to the top 12. ADP of 118.83. He is QB 9 off the board. Right ahead of him, Carson Wentz, Josh Allen, and Russell Wilson. Would you guys take him over any of those three? Nope. Me either. Uh, yeah, I probably wouldn't. Allen would be close for me because his accuracy down the field does worry me sometimes, but his rushing upside is, is ridiculous. So probably would go Allen, but Burrow Allen is the closest one for me. After him, Rogers, Tua, and Daniel Jones. Would you take any of those three over Burrow? Staying well, on brand, I'm going to take uh, Tua and um, Daniel Jones. I feel yeah. like Dennis has to take Tua. Yeah, I I, I like Tua as the better prospect. So uh, at that point, you know, in Superflex, hopefully I've got a second quarterback already and I've passed on Burrow for 
you know, a good wide receiver, probably not a running back at that point. But, um, yeah, I'm going to take Tua and, and Jones. I would not take any of them. Joe Mixon, RB10, over or under? Under. Under for me as well. He is an ADP of 10. He is RB7 off the board. Just ahead of him, Dalvin Cook, CEH, and Zeke. Would you take him over any of those three? Um, I feel like they go. go Okay. Uh, I'm taking taking him over CEH. And – Right, I, I still have Cook ranked over him, but I, I feel like I'm getting close to moving to flip-flopping them in the rankings. Well, with Cook and Mixon both in contract years, it kind of gives them equally. Mixon feels like he has a better shot staying with his current team. Whether that's good or bad is a question, but I'm with Dennis. The CEH love, I feel like, has gone way too far right yeah. now. I mean, they're – They've already built a statue of him out, uh, outside Kansas City Stadium. The guy has not had a single carry. And when DeAndre Washington leads them in rushing week one, everyone's going to go cry somewhere. I like it. Bold take. Uh, yes, I would take him. Uh, I would not. I would take him over CEH and Cook. Um, the one thing that I do think helps Mixon, even though they are both in contract years, Mixon does not seem to value himself too highly, which I think Cook kind of does. Granted, Cook deserves it. He's been phenomenal when he's been healthy. Uh, but Mixon seems kind of fine to just get paid and stay with Cincinnati. I kind of like that attitude. I think there's a better chance of him doing that as well because Cincinnati's kind of void of talent and they have cap room. So they might end up paying Mixon where I don't know if that happens necessarily with Cook and Minnesota. Just after him, Chubb, Jacobs, and Taylor. Would you take any of those three over Mixon? Nope. Chubb and Taylor. Chubb would be close for me. Taylor for sure. Boyd, wide receiver 24, over or under? Over. I'm going to go over as well. Dang it. I keep closing out of my rankings. Where did I have Tyler Boyd at? I slight over, so I will keep it that way. But I think there's a shot. Again, if A.J. Green gets hurt, he's he's going under for sure. ADP of 59.67, wide receiver 30 off the board. Just ahead of him, Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson, and the always, just seems hated, Robert Woods. Would you take him over any of those three? Or disrespected, I should have said. Um, I'm, I'm pro- you know, I currently have Diggs over him in redraft, but for Dynasty, I'm probably going to take Boyd. Uh, I'm just, just not digging uh, digs. Just not digging Stefan. I'm not. Um, I'm probably. I'm probably gonna take uh, Boyd over Diggs. Boyd over Jefferson. It'll be a coin flip with Woods. I'd take him over Jefferson. Uh, I'd probably take him over Diggs and Jefferson. I'm gonna put some respect on Robert Woods' names. I'll take you over Robert Woods. I'll take you Woods. I'll take you. Uh, well, just we, after we discount Woods, and he ends up being like a wide receiver one or a top. I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'll take Woods. I, I won't disrespect you anymore, my friend. Uh, right after him, Debo Samuel, Hollywood Brown, and Michael Gallup. Would you take any of those three over Boyd? Um, you know, Debo is starting to scare me with the injuries. Typically, I, I think you know a month ago. Six weeks ago, I, I would say I definitely would have taken Debo. 
Hollywood is, uh, uh, you know, that's that's really a contrast in boomer bust versus safe floor players between Boyd and Hollywood. And honestly, at the point where they're going in the draft, I'm I'm drafting floor more often, so I'm not taking Hollywood over him. And uh, boy, it'd be a it's a toss up with Gallup. Depends on what kind of mood I'm in. Honestly, with Gallup, do I do I am, am I in my God damn it, Michael Gallup is going to be the star there, or am I in the man? I don't know. He dropped. A, he had a pretty high drop rate. Uh, you know, I go back and forth with him. So be a coin flip with Gallup. Taking Gallup, better quarterback, better offense. Ooh, yeah, I think Gallup's the only one for me as well. Uh, AJ Green, wide receiver, thirty-five over or under? Oh. Uh, under. Let me check. That's so close. I have what him are... just slightly over. I have him at uh, forty-one, I believe. So you have him at thirty-four, Fox. Yeah, so slightly under. <laughs> All right. I, I knew it was like really close. I thought Did you just Dennis. Did you, you just... know what's it's funny. I should just look at the rankings. I don't. I just guess off the top of my head. Well, I mean, you know where I, I think they can finish. So I know. I just I like. I should. Uh, more I think about, it, I'm like, God, I should just go. You gave me the answer. I should just go in and look at it. But uh, ADP of ninety three point five. He is wide receiver forty eight off the board, just ahead of him. Mike Williams, Darius Slayton, and Will Fuller. Would you take him over any of those three? I'm taking him over Fuller. Probably take him over Mike Williams. I think Fuller for me as well. I just he he just can't stay healthy. After him, Mims, Hilton, and Lavisca Chenault. Would you take any of those three over Green? I can make the case for Hilton, um, but I where do I have Hilton at? I'm definitely uh, taking Hilton. Yeah, I got Hilton one spot above him. But I, I don't think I'm taking either of the other two. Definitely not taking Chenault. Uh, yeah, Hilton for sure. I actually think Mims and Chenault are close. I think at this point in the draft, I'm going to take some rookies with some upside and see what happens for me. So I would actually probably take all three. That's the thing. Uh, if you're talking about dynasty, we yeah we're hoping AJ Green gets on the field this year, and then it's a total question. If you're talking redraft, I'm, I'm – snagging green over the two rookies because if he can get on the field he has better shot of production well, we're talking dynasty on that even redraft though i think i would i, I think chanel might be okay this year i just green i have no doubt that if green stays healthy he's gonna be good but what happens when he's out week three you have a better shot of getting viable points from guys like mims and Chenault at that point so i just I can't – Green's already hurt again, and he's, I think, a Hall of Fame wide receiver, but he can't stay healthy. He's It's been a decline we've seen the past three years where he just can't seem to stay healthy. And I, being getting older as I am, I realize it's hard for me to stay healthy, and I'm not a, a world-class athlete, don't get me wrong, but with the way that he plays the game and he just keeps getting injured, I'm just, I, I just can't buy into him staying healthy anymore. That's just my opinion, so – T. Higgins, wide receiver 40 in 2020, over or under? Uh, I'm going to say. Pretty sure none of us have him ranked. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going over. Yeah, I'm going over. 
if for some reason green just falls apart in the next four weeks, I suppose I could make the case for Higgins to be under, but uh, right now he's over. Yeah, I will say the same thing. I think if Green gets hurt, he has a chance to go under that. Uh, ADP 89.67, wide receiver 43 off the board. Just ahead of him, Brandon Cooks, Brandon Ayuk, and Deontay Johnson. You taking any of those – or him over any of those three? Not over Ayuk at that point. Um, I'm if, if I went robust running back in a draft – then I'm probably going to take Cooks because I feel like Cooks is getting the playing time this year. And I'm probably taking Deontay Johnson for the same reason over Higgins if I went robust running back. And so I'm trying to fill out wide receiver spots. So I guess, yes, I'm taking all of them. <laughs> or not Ayuk. Actually, I have Higgins over Ayuk, so my bad. I'm taking Higgins over all of them. I wouldn't – I think I am too. I had him ranked higher, so I've I've got him in my rookie ranking, so I would take him over all of them. Uh, just behind him, Michael Pittman, Will Fuller, and Darius Slayton. Would you take any of those three over Higgins? Uh, I think I'd take Pittman and Slayton. I would take Pittman. Pittman for sure for me. Slayton would be a coin flip. And do we even want to do C.J. Uzoma? I just threw it on there so we'd have a tight end. I mean – I don't think any of us have him ranked, but Uzoma tied in 23 on the end of the 2020 season over or under I'm trying to see if I have him ranked. I do not. Over. Yeah. Over. Over as well. ADP of 238 tied in 38 off the board, just ahead of him. Khalil Waring, Dan Arnold and Caden Smith, Dan Arnold. I didn't realize he was still in the league. Are uh, you taking him over any of those three? Over, I'm taking. I'm probably taking Uzoma over Caden Smith because Uzoma is a starter and Smith is a third stringer. Is Dan Arnold uh, a starter? Uh, he Dan Arnold was on Matthew Berry's love list. For yeah, wow. <laughs> you know he, he might be the starter in Arizona. I'll put it to you this way: much respect to the Godfather of fantasy. I'm, I'm good. I'll pass on Dan Arnold. Um, you know what? At that point in time, I actually would probably take Drew Sample because if you're just, if you're just taking somebody to put on your bench to look at, I'm not a CJ Uzoma truther. Yeah, I would not take him over any of the... I'd take him over Arnold, I guess, since I've been bashing on him the past minute. But outside of that, I'm not taking him over Smith or Warren. Uh, just behind him, Greg Olson, Harrison Bryant, and Darren Fells. I would take uh, all three over Uzoma. What about you guys? Um, I I go but I could go, you know, I'm probably not taking Olsen over Uzoma, but I'm also not taking Uzoma. So Yeah, I get you. I, I would take all three because I think you have at least feels like reasonable shots at touchdown upside with Olsen and Fells. Uh, putting them in there because we've seen both of them, you know, just can, you know, for as hobbled or slow as they might be to be able to stand up there and be targets in the end zone. Russell Wilson loves to hit tight ends in the end zone and Watson used fells quite a bit last year. And then Harrison, Brian, we talked about has some potential in the future. So all of them 
You, you have to figure Cincinnati does something else at tight end eventually. <laughs> all right, so that will do it for us. Uh, that wraps up the AFC North and all of our team previews. We have uh, knocked out every single one of them. We have uh, we've kind of all been dancing around it here a little bit. We have a huge thing dropping tomorrow. Follow all of us. We'll all be tweeting about it. It'll be dropping between. What did he just tell me? I forgot. Eleven a.m. and midnight. Well, he's dropping everything. I think sometime after eleven a.m. Eastern time, I believe. So, right around then, you'll see it. Uh, Ricky, who runs our network, he'll drop it. I'm sure we'll all retweet it out. It should be a lot of fun. We're we're all pretty excited about it. We'll be back next week uh, talking about our predictions for the NFC teams and AFC teams, hoping to have Tony back with us on Thursday uh, so he can profess all of his love for the Indianapolis Colts as we talk about how they won't make the playoffs in front of him. Just kidding, Tony. If you, if you end uh, up I don't have to make him the playoffs. <laughs> well, never mind. Matt's gonna, Matt is going to upset you. All right. Uh, but we will be back next week. Everybody have yourselves a good weekend. Enjoy all of the uh, – the camp stuff that's going on on NFL Network, and we will talk to you guys again on Monday. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle in the 40-yard line. Who can make a play?